So I have four nieces and nephews, and I was talking to my sister about IXL. And IXL Learning is this fun online program for kids, and it covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. My sister and my nephew love it. The way it works is it's powered by AI, so IXL gives the right help to each kid. And IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Maybe you've been looking into private tutoring, but it's out of the budget, or this is a big school year for your kiddo. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And all of these listeners can get an exclusive. 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash ologies. So visit IXL.com slash ologies to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I know I usually save my secrets for the end of the episode, but I'm going to tell you my secret favorite candy. It's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. It's really Reese's anything, but Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the thing that I'm like, have I had a bad day? I get these. Have I had a good day? I get these. Chocolate, salty peanut butter, the textures, I love everything about them. Also that there's two. So I'm like, oh, I get this one for later, which is one second later. Anyway, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, I love you. That's all. If you're me, you can shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you. Found wherever candy is sold. And I am. Oh, hey, it's that diner that has bad coffee, but makes up for it by offering an English muffin as a toast option. Allie Ward, back with another episode of Ologies. Here we are. We are here. It is March 2020, and it's a wacky time. This is a wacky time, but let's keep on keeping on, including asking some smart people some really stupid questions about stuff that matters a lot to us. Okay, this one, woo, it's a twofer. Only once before in the history of ologies have I sat down with two doctors at once, partly because it's a nightmare to edit, but it's worth it. And this one, it's a real AAA, all about animals. So if you've ever petted a dog in the head, or if you've ever fawned over a bunny, or respectfully admired a llama from afar, get ready. Also, I hope you listened to last week's episode on virology to help you kind of wrap your head around why so many people on planet Earth are in pajamas on Wednesday afternoons. We're doing it, and we're doing it together by being apart. Now, if you need more entertainment while you're isolating, you can always enjoy my new Netflix show, 100 Humans. It's weird social science looks at what makes us tick, and it may just scratch your itch for being around other people. And speaking of people, before we get started, a quick thanks to everyone out there making ologies happen via patreon.com slash ologies. It's a dollar a month to join, and you get some extras including submitting questions to ologists. Uh, for everyone who puts merch on your bodies by going to ologiesmerch.com, and thank you for rating and subscribing and reviewing that keeps the show up in the science charts and for telling friends that honestly helps so much. And I read all your reviews. Sometimes they make me cry on the tarmac before a plane takes off, such as this one from N. Jack Danger who says, a lot of podcasts are popcorn for the mind. Each episode is pretty much the same. You know the taste. It's good, but not really filling. Ologies is trail mix for the mind. There are always different flavors, some you've never tried before. Plus, it's a little saltier than you might expect. Ologies satisfies Sleepy John. Thank you, Sleepy John. I'm glad that you're awake to listen to this. Okay. Veterinary biology. Let's get into it. So veterinary comes from a Latin word meaning a cow or an ox. And biology is the study of life. So veterinary biology is the medical study of kept animals. I have wanted to do this episode for so long since so many ologists originally set their sights on a career in vet med. And that is an insider term. It means veterinary medicine. And so it's super tough field. And I was so excited to hear that two of the greats were in Los Angeles for just a few days. They were willing to let me pepper them with questions. So I drove across town to Beverly Hills in traffic 
it was worth it. They were posted up at the swanky as hell Four Seasons while on a press tour for their brand new National Geographic series, Critter Fixers, Country Vets. Put it in your DVRs. Watch it. It's amazing. They were both in suits. They were looking quite sharp at the end of a long press day, bringing a porcupine and an armadillo on entertainment tonight. But they squeezed me in and we settled onto a couch and some chairs and I shoved my mics in their faces. And now audio note, my audio was being captured by a separate mic that I never use. And it turns out it was not ideal. So, Jarrett and Steven worked a ton behind the scenes this week to help fix it. It might be a little different than you're used to. If this is your very first Ologies episode you've ever listened to, I promise audio quality is usually top-notch. I normally don't record two people at once and myself. Little bit of a tech diff, but this episode is 100% worth it because of both Ologists. And they were kind enough to tell me about their friendship and their life in central Georgia, dealing with all manner of animals, their vet practice, how they learn and retain so much about so many species species, things they wish all animal owners knew, weird things animals have eaten, hairballs, kidney issues, grain-free diets, chunky monkeys, how to keep your pets healthy for as long as possible, when to let go, the emotional side of veterinary medicine, some awesome advice for me personally, plus livestock mysteries and more. So scrub in and get ready to fawn over two real-life critter fixers and veterinary biologists, Dr. Bernard Hodges and Dr. Terrence Ferguson. Vernard Hodges. Terrence Ferguson. And doctors. Yes. Yes. Dr. Vernard Hodges. And Dr. Terrence Ferguson. How long have they been doctors? So, I have been a doctor for a grand total of, so I've been a doctor much longer, so I've been a doctor for 23 years. And I've been a doctor for 22 years. Oh, got it. So, one of you is a pro here. <laughs> yes, yes. Exactly. Right. Did you know each other going through vet school? How did you meet? So, we met in college. Yeah, we met in undergrad. So, We've known each other almost 30 years now, give or take a year. Yeah. And um, I was a veterinary science major and he was a biology major, but I took classes in biology. So that's how he and I met in classes there. And fortunately, he became my friend because he was a lot smarter than me. He was a goody two shoes. And Yeah, right. (laughs) So you've been practicing doctors for 22, we'll say 22 and a half years. I'm I'm going to average it here. For sure. Um, And how long have you been working together? As you do. Oh, for the for my entire <laughs> twenty two years, yes, yeah. we've been worked together. Um, I taught him everything year, he knows. Yeah, he graduated a year ahead of me. He worked at a local veterinary hospital. Um, when I graduated, I worked at the same hospital. So we worked together a year at another veterinary hospital. And after a year, we decided that we want to open our own practice. Right. Amazing. For sure. And by the way, Dr. Bernard Hodges has an edgy, hip, asymmetrical haircut. It's almost like a half mohawk. And he's wearing a dark button-up shirt and a blue sport coat. And Dr. Ferguson has a lower voice. And he's wearing a t-shirt with the red Critter Fixer logo underneath a plaid gray blazer. And his head is neatly shaved to a perfect shine. Now, they both grew up in Georgia, got their bachelor's from Fort Valley State University, and their doctorates in veterinary medicine from Tuskegee University in Alabama. Their southern accents? Amazing. They worked elsewhere for about a year before they teamed up and started Critter Fixers, their own practice together in rural central Georgia, south of Atlanta. But like we hear from a lot of ologists, sometimes the path is linear, sometimes it has a few twists. 
what was it about animals or about veterinary science that you love? What drew you individually to this path? So I'm I'm a big fish guy. I've always liked fish. I don't know. I just always had a fascination with fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I teased him all the time. I wanted to be the first like black Jacques Cousteau. I wanted to be like this fish <laughs> guy. I love fish. <laughs> I was one of these people that learned by by doing. Um, my grades were okay. To make myself competitive with veterinary school, I ended up working for the Agency for International Development. And what we did was develop a fish project. So at 19, I went over to uh, Nepal and uh, we, we raised fish in cages because they were looking for a cheap protein source. So what we did was carp eat phytoplankton. Mm-hmm. So we kind of would put the cages at different depths, see where the phytoplankton grows, and kind of we were able to tell them when to put out, where to put the cage, especially during monsoon times and everything. So when I got to, you know, to the veterinary school and I was thinking, I could do fish and do these different things, my grades were okay, but nobody, you know, all the people with AIDS couldn't say they helped feed a village in Nepal. So that's how, how, how you know, I've always loved animals. So other people may have had higher grades, but Dr. Hodges had life experience and hands-on fish science. So when in doubt, GTFO, go work in Nepal for a while. And that's that's kind of what, what helped kind of mold me and, you know, been veterinary present now. We treat fish. You'll see fish on the show. Mm-hmm. We treat a variety of animals. So that's how I got involved. Well, what about Dr. Ferguson? I've wanted to be a veterinarian for a long time, since I was probably eight years old. I was bitten by the veterinary bug, <laughs> had a dog that was injured, and I nursed it back to health. So I thought, looking back, it really wasn't hurt very bad, but I thought I did something miraculous, and here I am. I want to be a animal doctor Mm -hmm. and I've always wanted to be one it's fun I tell people that you know a lot of times we talk about what we want to be when we're older and but I can say that I want to be and you can look in the yearbook and it has veterinarian on my name so I'm kind (laughs) of proud of that though you know and God just blessed me to become but it did come a point um like you say he did summer jobs and I did a couple summers um also with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and had opportunity working um in Alaska one summer with salmon and um, whooping crane, but I, I reached a point where I became unsure. As you know, the, the profession of veterinary medicine is not very diverse, mm-hmm. um, and it was until I was a junior in college that I fought, saw the first black veterinarian or a veterinarian that looked like me. Mm-hmm. So it was a point that I felt like, can I do this? I don't see anybody that looks like me and is doing it, mm-hmm. and I almost veered over to fish and wildlife because I had we did it in the summer. Um, I saw people look like me, and I knew that was something that I could do. And But I met a mentor when I was a junior in, in college, and he was a black veterinarian and encouraged me to stay on path if that's what you want to do. Wow. And do you think that you guys also kind of keep encouraging each other because you All want to Yeah. Every day. Oh, yeah, that's no Every doubt. day. I mean, in this profession, I mean, people, people kind of don't understand. Sometimes people think maybe we just play with puppies, you know, mm-hmm. and which we do. I mean, that's a great part of it. But, I mean, in a matter of seconds, we can go from – Unfortunately, have to euthanize an animal and relieve suffering that's maybe 15 years old. Leave leave that room, wipe the tear out of eyes, and a minute later, we're in another room with a new puppy and have to talk to the owner about different things and how to raise this puppy. So the emotions are up and down, and sometimes at the end of the day, 
I mean, it, it pays on your emotions, especially if you do that four or five times in a day. Yeah. You know, the roller coaster is tough. So it is great to be able to talk to each other and say, hey, man, it's going to be all right. And like, man, I had a rough day or he tells me he has a rough day. And no, no, you won't be judged because this has been your friend for 30 plus years. So Dr. Ferguson makes the point that even though it's been his dream job for years, it does not mean that it is a breeze. Hell no. And, and you know, being a veterinarian, we see multiple species. Yes. So, you know, I may, <laughs> you know, I may get an animal in that, you know, we've only seen one, one animal that year that it may be a yeah. monkey or it may be something that's very um, strange or rare. Yeah. And I may have to give him a call and like, hey, guy, hey, dude, man, I have this monkey and, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm looking through the books and I don't see it. What do you think? So it's, it's great having him to be able to bounce things off of because it's just like he said, he understands because he's in the same shoes that I'm in. Yeah. So it's, it's great having each other. We definitely, I know I definitely wouldn't be where I am if I had not same, had a same. partner. But we also have, also have a very playful competition, too. Oh, yeah. We'll be like, hey, dude. Hey, man, I won up you. I mean, we literally say, I won up you today. And you're like, what you got? i like, man, I had an African toad today. I was like, man, this thing weighed three pounds. Or oh, he'll call me and he have some a case. You're like, man, I had a snake with pneumonia. I'm like, uh. So we, we definitely have a playful competition of, of stuff we say. When it comes to veterinary medicine, how do you even prepare for that? Because you've got a ruminant with four stomachs. You've got a toe that breathes through its skin. Right. How do you, where do you begin? School, you know, a lot of people wonder, you know, you get out and you may practice large animal medicine or you may practice small animal medicine or you may practice exotics. We kind of do all of them. Right. But when you're in veterinary school, um, you don't specialize. Right. So we have to learn about all the species. And when you, you know, once we come out, you know, you're kind of refining your skills. Are there times when you have to go back to the book or call someone? Of course there are. You know, there are a lot of species and you don't see them every day. Dr. Hodges says that in the early days, they'd have to do dip tank x-rays, wait for them to develop, and then send a snail mail envelope with a question to a specialist, wait for it to get there. Wait for the specialist to write something back and snail mail back. But now modern technology lets them get an x-ray in less than a minute and they can get a complete pathology or cardiology report from a specialist in like half an hour. So this is good news for vets. It's better news for pet owners, which, by the way, in America, according to a 2019 study, there are 94 million pet cats in the U.S., 90 million dogs. And hey, guess what, fish people? 157 million fishes out there in your houses. So yes, technology helps them too. Even though we're in rural Georgia, we do have the specialists that we can reach out to. And, the, and modern technology has definitely, definitely had his his, his play. I, w- I would say in our lifetime, right? Which mm-hmm. is, I mean, don't you think we probably can keep an animal probably alive maybe two, four years longer? Yeah, because of advancements. You right. know, we, we can detect things a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. We have chemistry panels of blood we can run down and detect. Right kidney problem right. a year or so before it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, at one time we only saw when the animal came in it was sick, we ran blood, had kidney failure. And right? we had seen that blood off. Yeah, and, and, we, and, and, yeah, and we had to wait. So, But then we know two-thirds of all kidney function is lost once we see the values are abnormal. Mm-hmm. So now we have tests that we can detect that, we can do something to, to um, kind of slow that process down. Or the old dog that had arthritis? Yeah. I mean, 
we really we had no medicine but now you know what they came up with remedial and derm, derm so they come up with different medicines that the old dog that was arthritic that uh we're able to treat now mm-hmm. so well, something that i'll tell you I, I thought about this the other day um have you noticed we're ta- having more talks about cognitive dysfunction which is right. doggy yes. senility and, and alzheimer right. so we're able to keep them keep them alive longer but unfortunately we haven't figured out as far as the brain mm-hmm. they do get senile yeah. so we get the dog that is staring at the wall or goes outside and forgets where it is yeah. mm-hmm. so we have that talk a lot more so it's kind of the gift and the curse of technology because i, I noticed i was like man i'm having this talk a lot but yeah. i'm able to keep that dog that has a heart problem and mm-hmm. we can keep him alive or arthritis we can keep him alive longer or kidney problem we can keep him alive but we just hadn't figured out the brain yet where am i and when it comes to your typical day mm-hmm. I know that you're sometimes, maybe you're out looking at a llama in for, for sure. <laughs> at a barn, right. and then right. maybe you're delivering puppies yes. in the office. Like, What yes. is a typical day like? And then also add cameras on top of that. <laughs> there really is no typical day. And, it, and I'm not being, I'm being facetious, but then again, it's serious because we will make schedule out calls, but you never know what you're going to see when you go out and you never know what's going to come through the door that's not scheduled. We try to do our surgeries in the morning, one that are scheduled, try to get them in in the morning because we'd like for them to be done about 10 and taken care of so that they're able to be up and go home that same day, um, depending on, on the procedure. Um, and then in between surgeries and the rest of the day, we're seeing clients and we may, we don't. You just never know what. What about that C section that comes in in between? Right, ah. you know, I may be in surgery doing a cruciate surgery that you know it may take a while to do, and he calls and hollers in and look. Hey man, I, have I a need dog that in room, this. right? Because he has a C section. That right. ap- actually happened on the show. Did it? I mean, yeah. it was not. It was like he was in teaching one of our um, our our newer vets how to perform an orthopedic surgery, and I was like, bruh. <laughs> I need that uh, surgery room. Oh yeah. And he thought I was playing. Yeah, initially I did. You know, we, 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 we joke, we a, joke lot. a lot. But, you know, on the second time around, I know when he's serious. And it was a puppet dangling out of this dog yeah, that so was stuck. So it's time to get yeah. real, get serious. Yes. You know, get the other dog at the table so we can get this C-section taken care of. It becomes just like that, a life and death situation. Yeah. That's what just I mean. Like that. we just, you just don't know what's coming in the door. And it's definitely a roller coaster. What do you wish that pet owners or your clients did differently or knew is there something that you wish you could just telegraph it into pet owners' heads? In society today, it's, it's bigger the better, the more exotic or unique the better. And everybody want to go big or go home and this mm-hmm. thing. But a lot of times the simple things like these these exotic pets. Phil, there is a tiger in the bathroom. I really wish they were educated on how to take care of them. You know, I, I had a case last week. It's a simple case. Um, this this um, bearded dragon, which is a type of, of lizard, it, had, it came in. I took x-rays. It had brittle bones. It wouldn't move. It was dragging itself across the floor. It needs calcium. It needs all of it. They need UV light or either sunlight. You know, obviously, you can't stay outside with your lizard all the time. So you need some UV light. You try not to make the person feel bad. But I was talking to her. And I was like, you know, this is what's going on. And. And it was something simple. I was like, I want you to Google something. I said, just Google ultraviolet light and metabolic bone disease. And when I, you know, I, I said, I'm going to take an x-ray. When I came back in, she said, wow, doc, thank you. She said, I see what's going on. It's simple. But those kind of simple things, something, a $20 light could have prevented this, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's just, I wish, and everybody wants to get more and more exotic. I mean, we're seeing all kinds of different, different animals, you know? And so... I just wish that people could were educated more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just the financial thing. Yeah, and that's a big thing, educating the clients. 
And it's not always that they can't do, they just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the issue with these exotics are husbandry issues, whether it's the type of feed or what they're feeding, the humidity or the temperature that they are, the, uh, what they're feeding, right. what they're, you know, things like that, that cause a lot of issues. So just basic education on how to take care of them would go miles. So that would probably be the the biggest thing. Because with advanced, you know, everybody wants to have this cute little different animal. Yeah. But they just don't know how to take care of it. So I wish, you know, I mean, I I want everybody to be happy and enjoy enjoy their pet. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, something as simple as I know we have Easter coming up. So I am worried about these Easter bunnies. Yes. Because people, you know, they think, okay, you just put it in a cage. You don't feed it hay. You don't have to worry about yeah. their teeth growing for the life, so they they don't understand the husband. Just the small things, you know. Yes. So or the, the chick, they get these little chickens. They get little chicks for East. I mean, it's just those kind of things. I just wish the 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 population was educated a little bit more. Rabbits are fluffy and soft. They're easily litter box trained, but they live ten to twelve years. Most people don't know that. And so most of these little buns, 95% of them, bought as impulse Easter gifts end up in shelters or abandoned outside. 80% of bunnies in rabbit rescues were once Easter pets. Sometimes they're rescued, heavy air quotes, but used as food for reptiles. So before you acquire a living creature, consider if you can meet its needs. Are you saying I shouldn't, I shouldn't have bought a stingray that, I, that lives in my bathtub? Oh, well, that might not be the greatest <laughs> in the world. But it's such a good dinner party. <laughs> For sure. Wow. For sure. Just wanted something different. Um, what about, uh, you know, on the road to becoming a veterinarian, uh-huh. what do you wish people knew or what is like some encouragement that you would want to like give to your younger self or people who are like, I want to be a vet, but it's hard. So the first thing I like people to know is, and this is not to discourage, but I want them to realize when I told the kids, there are only 31 veterinary schools in the United States. Really? Yes. Only 31. Only 31. Okay. So the average GPA to get into veterinary school now is about 3.7. That's very high. That is very high. <laughs> so not only that, there are a lot of people with high grades. So you have to find that thing that makes you different. It separates you. You know, go to a, go to your local veterinarian and uh, ask them, can you volunteer? And uh, or go to your local shelter. Find that thing that that makes you different. But yeah, that that's one thing I want people to see. I know we have fifty states. There are not even fifty. Right. Yeah, there are only thirty-one. And I guess on that same line of trying to separate yourself, I I find a lot of time because I saw it when I was in, in, in veterinary school that some want to be veterinarians and they see. It looks very glorified from the outside. Like you said earlier, you get to hold the babies, you know, you get to cuddle, but you know, dogs go to the bathroom. They urinate on you. They bite you. Cats scratch you. Horses can kick you. So what I encourage them at a young age is to come in, shadow me, shadow one of the veterinarians. Let's make sure this is what you, what your passion is and what you love. Cause it can look glorified on the outside, but when you get on the inside, it may be something that you don't like. And the last thing that I want them not to do is invest all their time and energy and money into something. Then they decide, I'm in the first year of veterinary school. Man, I don't think I really like this. Mm-hmm. So I want them to know that early, this is what I, what I want to do. I have a passion for this. I'm on track on what I want to do. So to be honest, this is good advice for any profession, really, except for podcasters, because no one wants to shadow me recording asides 
into a pile of towels in my closet, which I'm not even doing right now, because honestly, we're all isolating, and I'm just beached on the couch like Job of the Ward under a comforter, which is not as exciting as some of the things that the Critter Fixers have seen. Dr. Hodges says when he was in vet school, they had a call and had to go out into the field, into an actual field. So ambulance, in an ambulance, you... Uh you know, ambulance go out and get people. In veterinary school, we had something called ambulatory. And um, we were in, I was in ambulatory class. I was a senior veterinary student. And we went out, and it was about seven of us in a in a veterinary truck. So we went out to this big farm. And when we got to the farm, you know, what you expect? You expect to see livestock and different things, right? Mm-hmm. But when we got this farm, there were like 50 dead cows. Ooh. Bloated, smelly in the Alabama sun. Because both went to Tuskegee. Oh, dear. Oh. And um, the first thing he said was, what's going on? Well, obviously, we our mouths were, were wide open. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. So, you know, we, we haven't learned all kinds of stuff over the previous three years. So, we said, well, maybe this and this. And we were all wrong. He said, look, get out there and do something called a necropsy. Necropsy is when you check with animals, autopsy, with humans. So, we did a necropsy and all these bloated, smelly, stinky cows. And he said, what's wrong? And all of our answers were wrong. He said, listen, and this is one thing we learned. He said, listen, the first thing you got to come to do in a farm is you got to look. You got to listen. You got to look at your surroundings. He said, listen, it's been thunder and lightning every day. Look at the top of this tree. It's burnt to a crisp. He said, the lightning struck the tree. Boom. All the cows who were gathered around during lightning, they were electrocuted. They died. What? What? Right. So you should simply look. You should learn. And, and and I never took that for granted. So when I see a case, sometimes it isn't what it looks like. You got to look, you got to observe, you got to smell, you got to know it. So just always stop looking. Listen, that's one of the things you learn in veterinary medicine. I'll never forget that as a senior veterinary student. Well, when I talk to kids, I always tell them that you have to use your senses, except one, we don't taste. <laughs> but we have to visually. It has you know, happened a few times. Well. <laughs> unfortunately. Unfortunately, not knowing. <laughs> so, you know, even when that, you approach the animal or if we're in the clinic and it walks in the door, it may not even be coming in the room yet, but you're already getting a visual. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing that we always learned probably first walked in veterinary school is you have to know normal before you know, before you know abnormal. There's no way to know what's abnormal unless you know what's normal. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're watching the gate, you're smelling. What does it smell? There are different things that clue you in. So almost like investigators, you know, we're trying sure. to clue in on all these things to try to figure out what's going with them. And, but you have to be basic and work your way up. You, you never start with, you know, you have this big long word and you, because you want to be the veterinarian that says, yes, I had the dog that had spiral yeah. trichinoma so, or something. So maybe the best show might be Matlock. Oh. Are there any lawyers in this town? That might be. That might be Maybe maybe Matlock might be. Because you got to be investigating. So maybe that's the show that Matlock, you know? Doggy detective. Exactly. Pictures, doggy detective. That's right. That is the thing that show that maybe best describe what we do. Oh, can I ask you questions from listeners? You can ask whatever. Watch out. So I let listeners know that I was coming to meet you guys. And they sent in their own questions for you. Okay, but before your questions, we're going to take a quick break. As you may know, each episode we donate to a cause of the ologist's choosing. And this week, the Critter Fixers chose the It Takes a Village Foundation, which instructs children in all aspects of business, and then it helps them come up with ideas for their own business. They provide also assistance to local adults 
They conduct community business outreach, and they are bookmarking this donation to go to testing and test prep to help kids. So you can learn more about what they do at ittakesavillagefoundation.com, which, side note, was founded by Dr. Hodges, and the VP is Dr. Ferguson. So that donation was made possible by some of the sponsors of the show, which you may hear about now. This podcast and my life is brought to you by Squarespace. Do you know that I didn't have a website for forever because I was putting it off because I was scared? And then I heard another podcast talk about Squarespace. I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. I had a website up that day. They have beautiful templates. They host. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Look at me. Even I did it. You can sell products. You can sell your time. They have this guided design system. It's called Squarespace Blueprint. You can select from a layout. There are styling options. You can get your website discovered with these integrated optimized SEO tools so people find you when they Google. They also have easy to use payment tools. So check out very easy for customers, which is what you want. There's also Squarespace AI, which can help you explain what your site is about. You can choose your tone, whether you're a scientist who wants to share your work with the world, whether you are starting up a business selling tiny paintings of tiny books or a choreographer selling dance classes. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash ologies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. I recommend it to all my friends even when I'm not recording an ad. Okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we're all carrying around just a backpack of stressors and sadnesses. When we keep them all zipped up and the load gets heavier, it can start to affect us negatively. You start to feel misunderstood, sad, resentful. A safe place to unpack that is, you guessed it, therapy. Therapists can help you dump out your bag and work through the heavy garbage that's weighing you down, in my case at least. I've used BetterHelp. They have definitely helped me understand that pushing my feelings down does not actually make them go away. It makes them feel worse. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible. It's suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's so much faster and easier than trying to hunt down a therapist from just online listings and cold calling. That's one thing I love about BetterHelp. And if for any reason you're not vibing with your therapist, you can switch anytime, no additional charge, no drama. So unburden yourself and trauma dump onto someone who's trained for this. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ologies today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ologies. Oh, Kiwiko. We love you. Kids love you. Parents love you. Uncle Allie's love you. Here's the deal. So whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever summer adventure series. So kids from two years old to teens can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks. They have something for everyone. They have different topics for each age, whether your kid wants to explore space or learn about dinosaurs. And I've heard from my parental friends that summer can be a little challenging to keep the kids busy. KiwiCo's like, we did the legwork for you. And the Summer Adventure Series is this personalized experience with super fun activities like a bottle rocket kit where kids 
crates can build an actual bottle rocket. And you can either receive all of your summer adventure crates at once or weekly for six weeks. I think it's so amazing that they have different crates for different ages. Everything from the great outdoors that has like giant bubbles or a window garden to a trebuchet kit for ages 9 to 14. An entrepreneur where you can do textured clay projects. If you have kids, if you know kids, keep them occupied and learning and having fun this summer with KiwiCo. And you can get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. Oh, have fun. Oh, hi, it's me, the lady that checks a bunch of scholarly articles before she believes anything, Allie Ward. And I feel like we are similar in that we have a fair amount of skepticism and we like to dive deep and find out what the actual facts are. This is why when it comes to any kind of supplements, I enjoy Ritual, which is a female-founded B Corp, meaning that they're holding themselves accountable to not just the company, but also to the health of people in our planet. And they're clinically backed essential for women at 18 plus multivitamin has these high quality, traceable key ingredients in bioavailable forms that are clean. Only about 1% of supplement brands are USP verified and Ritual is one of them. So I like being able to trust what I'm putting in my body. From an aesthetic standpoint, I'll also tell you that Ritual are beautiful little vitamins. They look like lava lamps and they taste like mint. So taking my Ritual is part of my, I guess, morning ritual. I, that's probably why they named it that and I didn't even think about it. Anyway, no more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. So get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash ologies. You can start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash ologies for 25% off. Down the hatch. Okay, back to your questions. Now, this first one regarding just general weirdness was asked by Gabriel Jolin, Ford Gonzalez, Unuseful Spoon, Ariel, PJ, Sakura, Janie Martin, Courtney Williams, and HR Bunga wants to know, what is the weirdest animal you've ever treated? Probably for me, I would think a spider. A spider? Yes. What kind of spider? We had this, this tarantula this guy brought in and it wasn't eating like he thought. Um, that probably was different. I did have to kind of research and think about that a little bit. I mean, he had these these big spiders. I don't know if it made the show. I know they did mm. tape it, but I don't know if it made the show. But um, it but this, it would get in the web and it would kind of stay in the corner. It would eat there. But the biggest thing is this: his cage was a little small, so it didn't need to eat as much. So it was more of a husbandry issue. Actually, once I got it out, which was weird, this thing was as big as my. Uh, Palm of my hand. So, you know, and, and it actually kind of shot me. And when it bites, it's almost like a. When it bites? Yes. Almost like an electrical shock. It's not terribly bad, but that was probably the weirdest. I was wondering why would somebody want a spider, but it was interesting. <laughs> I think that was probably the, the weirdest. But the biggest thing is just knowing about what these animals need in captivity. A captive spider obviously wouldn't need to eat as much as a spider that kind of lives in the desert or do everything. So that was pretty weird. Mm-hmm. What about you? I guess the weirdest, I don't have a spider. <laughs> but I think because we're in Georgia, whether it's rural Georgia or Atlanta, it doesn't matter. I think the camel. The camel was probably the the most out of place. What was it doing there? Well, it was a camel that they used in uh, nativity scenes. Oh. And um, it's in the show also. And um, it's hard to say. It was, a, it was getting a little frisky. It was a little frisky. It liked to go way in the manger. No humping. So we had to go. <laughs> we had to go and... Um, 
remove some humps. Some hump <laughs> to try to make it on. I think it did better this year. Yeah, I think yeah. the nativity. Yeah, I think the were, names, yeah. Oh, they were a little yeah. calmer this year. The, the, the yeah. kids weren't weren't uh, surprised yeah. by this gamble. Yes. Wasn't uh, wasn't swiping on Tinder as much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Katie Coast wants to know if you could read animals' minds, would you want to? Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that would be yeah. It would make our job a lot easier, you know, if we knew exactly what was wrong when they came in. I always ask the students when I go do career day, I ask them to tell me what is the difference between you and I when we go to the doctor and when the pets come to me. And they're always overthinking it. They think of everything. I said, no, it's just as simple. The animals can't talk. Yeah. You know, so you know, if I sit them on the table and I say, uh, you know, open wide and what's wrong. I may get a bark or a meow or a kick even, yeah. but I'm not going to get the answer. Yeah. So, of course we would. Exactly. That would definitely be the answer because, you know, it would save me some time. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have to go do an endoscopic exam. That's where we go down in the stomach and, you know, the dog would be able to tell me when I see a thing. Because you can see clearly in there. So, I'm in the stomach and I read P-A-M-P-E-R. Pamper. Oh, no. <laughs> so the dog is eating the diaper. <laughs> so, so fortunately, I was able to pull that out. But, but so he could have saved me a little bit of time. So, right. yeah. Did you see that recent uh, internet video of the python? Yes, yes. we did. Yeah. Yes, yes. That was a, that, that was, was awesome, different. Wasn't it? Yes, for, right. for, vid- for watching, for, not yeah. for the snake. Yeah, yeah. The snake, I'm sure, was somewhat right. relieved. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, is that the weirdest thing that you've seen a pet eat? Is a pamper? Do you ever find car keys in there? The car keys no, in an I alligator found, or something? Uh, you know, years ago with the, the telephone cords that were oh, yeah, that, that were twisted. Uh. We didn't know what it was. We took an x-ray. That was back in the day when we had to dip tanks and yeah. took forever to, to um develop x-rays. So we look at this video we look at this x-ray and we just see a coil that's, you know, not very long. We're all looking like, what is that? Spirochetes? Yeah, we don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. What is that? So um we ended up having to do an exploratory and that's what it was. But the funniest thing, so after doing the, doing the surgery, the owner said, yeah, I know what that is. I'm going to put all this stuff away. We're going to get rid of it. Cat came in two more times over the next few years yeah. with a cord doing the same thing. Got to get a cordless phone. Yeah. Yeah. Cordless yeah. Phone. Thank God now. Yeah. But back then, you know, they had the cord. So right. I think that was. You tell an I age, bro. Yeah. Well, that's your age, remember? <laughs> okay. You're older. Man. I'm a little bit. No, I got you. Yeah. I got you. But yeah, that was, and we always see coins. Yeah. You know, they that, coins yeah. a lot. So that, that the weirdest thing I, I've seen is the actual the chocolate coins that the gold chocolate coins. Yeah. They come in a little mesh bag, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And this dog ate them whole though. Oh no! So I couldn't figure it out. So I literally took out. I think I counted twenty six. 26 of those gold and the chocolate was still good on the inside. So, so the wrapper must be good because they didn't, they didn't really melt. Yeah. But that, that was probably the weirdest thing to just kind of keep pulling these coins out. Oh my gosh. Sarah Trevino, first time question asker, wants to know, very important question. Do dogs love us as much as we love them? And do they know how much we love them? Do you think? I don't know if they know. In veterinary school, we used to talk about the human animal bond mm-hmm. and um, I definitely can see it. I, I think my dog loves me as much yeah. as I think so. I, I mean, think, I love yeah, my I dog a, a whole lot. Love. Yeah. 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 I mean, you just think you, when you go to work, you can have a great day or you can have a horrible day. Mm-hmm. But when you get home, it doesn't matter. Every You're going to be greeted the same way with excitement, with love. I don't know the level. Mm-hmm. But I definitely know they know that we love them. And um, 
it's unconditional both ways. Kind of like that move in 100 First Dates. Don't call me loose. I barely know you. Sweetie, you're sort of dating him. Sorry, I'm not better looking. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. Every time, every time, it's the new. You know, they love you like a hundred percent. It don't yeah. matter. It's the first date every time every you come day. home. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Every time you come home. Rachel Weiss wants to know why do dogs like to eat grass when they have upset bellies, or is that a myth? You know, we used to be. You know, they have tummy aches or they have this, but I've seen dogs that just like to eat. Grass. Just like to eat grass. Okay. A lot of times in the wild, a lot of these guys eat a lot of berries and grass and and different things. So. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a palliative tool, so yeah. they'll eat it. Interesting, yeah. Whenever I see my dog snacking on grass, I'm like, oh, do I have to call an ambulance? Like, <laughs> um, and Mo Casey wants to know, what is the number one thing we can do to protect the health and well-being of wild critters? And Brianna Mazinski says this, yes. Um, yeah, anything we can do for wild critters? I think the environment, pr- protect the environment. Protect the environment, conservation. Yeah. Things like the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Organization like that do to try to um, conserve different species. So those are the most important thing. I think a lot of times we can get in trouble, too, by trying to domesticate everything. Mm-hmm. And I think we get in trouble then because it kind of mess up the natural balance of things. Um, so Like a Florida alligator? Oh, yeah. Did someone try to domesticate a Florida alligator? Well, they do it all the time. Okay, side note. Just Google Florida plus pet alligators. Oh boy, plenty of Fox News clips of people cradling giant reptiles pop up. Now, in the following news clip, a man in cargo shorts is crouched down next to a murky backyard ditch as the head of his 47-year-old pet alligator bobs in and out of the water serenely, just waiting to be hand-fed more morsels of its favorite snack, chocolate chip cookies. Once he was in the house, he didn't want to leave. I think it took us like three weeks to get him to go back outside. He was on the couch all the time or in the bathtub. I did a little more Googling and heads up, when they're not eating Chips Ahoy, a lot of pet alligators are, how do we say this, rescuing other people's unwanted Easter purchases. So that's bad news. I mean, yeah, all the time, you know. They're doing it for the gram. Yeah, yeah. doing it for the gram, yeah. for sure. Not necessary. Yeah, no, exactly. Oh, Veronica, exactly. Veronica says, cat hairballs. Oh, my God, they're so gross. Is there <laughs> anything I can do or give the fur babies to prevent it or lessen the amount that they hack up? Did I mention so gross? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are different um, products that we have. Cats are naturally groomers. Mm-hmm. So they naturally lick themselves and groom themselves. And basically, when you see the uh, cat that is ungroomed or not thrifty looking, it's probably a sick kitty. So you, you, they have mats or hairball. Now, some of them get, some get so large and heavy, they can't groom themselves. But normally, they groom themselves and they're going to ingest hair. So they have products that you can give different laxatives and lubricants that you can give maybe a couple times a week. That will help clear them out and they'll pass them out in the stool rather than having so many hairballs. Okay. And what are those products, buddy? Oh, uh, laxatone, purge. You mineral know, oil? I didn't know we were going to call products, well, but mineral okay. oil. Okay, mineral oil. We got to give her some else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, and then we'll tell her. I will say to her personally, mm-hmm. be thankful because I'm going to give her a fancy word and she's welcome to Google this. Mm-hmm. It's called a trochobrizor. Yes. That is a big, big hairball. Oftentimes we see that in cows. Yes. When cows, I mean, sometimes these things can be big as basketballs. How do they get the hair in there? Because they licking themselves. Yeah, they so tell her, yeah. So tell us. So she's uh, very fortunate that she don't have she a cow. Have a cow. <laughs> oh, she, <laughs> oh, maybe she does. Oh, maybe she does. She got a trunkle bees up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. I know we're all socially isolating. 
we got some time on our hands, but do not Google image search a trichobezar unless you want to see what appears to be stomach-shaped dreadlocks still moist from their fresh removal from human insides. Now, the condition that causes hair eating in humans has been dubbed Rapunzel syndrome for the long tail that the hairball trails behind it. I like to imagine it does so elegantly, but it's a real thing. I can't imagine it's comfortable. Boy, howdy, don't look at it if you can help it. Now, as long as we're talking horrors, let's dip into your questions about American health insurance, but for pets. So this question was asked by Kate Coldren, Sarah Howell-Miller, and Heather Shaver. Heather Shaver has a question financially. In, in your opinion, how much is too much to spend on a pet's vet bill? Like, how do you make the decisions taking into economics and the animal suffering? And is it good to have pet health insurance? Like, what, how do you guys feel about that? My thought when it comes to that is definitely, if you can, start out. Pet health insurance has, has definitely uh, evolved over the, over time. Yes, um, they, yes. they has evolved over the years. And they, you know, we, we have it in our practice uh, quite a bit now. And they usually pay for the wheelchair, but you, you can't have any pre-existing things. But this is the thing I always ask. Doc, what will be the quality of life? Quality of life is everything. I mean, you know, before you get to finance, I have people who come in and they have unlimited funds and they're willing to do anything. But I talk to them, at least give them the option. I never tell them what to do, but I explain the quality of life and what will be the quality of life if they choose a procedure, if they choose not the procedure, if we keep moving on. It's something you can ask your veterinarian. It's a tough decision. Um, what do you think my dog's possible quality of life or my cat's quality of life? But that's where I would start the, the actual talk and you can kind of go from there. So quality of life is the, would be the best message I could give people. I think so. That, yeah. That's yeah. what I would say. You know, you can have unlimited funds and quality of life is not going to be good afterwards. That's, that's not being fair yeah. to your baby. I always say, you know, they've given us so much unconditional love. They've been so fair to us. So we want to be fair when that time comes. And sometimes it's hard to see it. It is. You know, so I know what I've done is I have a sheet that numerically mm-hmm. has questions and you have to give an answer from zero to 10. Mm-hmm. And it has at the end, we add those, those the numbers up. And if we're lower than a number, then we're probably in the, at the point that we're suffering. Yeah. So it's, we may need to consider making a decision. And if it's higher than that, then we're doing fine. But a lot of times it's visually having the client to be able to see it yeah. helps a lot because I've been there. You know, I've had animals and I know I don't want to do it. It's not time, but I'm, I'm being unfair. I tell them, let's not be selfish. Let's give them the joy that they've given us all these years. Right. And do you guys both have pets? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. What do you yes. have? So I have a German Shepherd, a Cane Corso. Oh, hey, I looked this up because I thought a Corso was maybe a type of lizard or a house lemur, but it's a big-ass Italian dog, and it looks like it would kill anyone who wronged you, but also hug you when you're sad, much like any Italian. I now love them. Oh, Frenchie, who sleeps on my hip every night. Mm-hmm. I have uh, Jameson, who is a gecko, and I have Drake, who is a bearded dragon. Oh, so you do have a bearded dragon. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yes. So I have a cane Corso, miniature schnauzer, shih tzu, and... A um, bearded dragon. Oh, who's Rex? We call him Rex. Oh my gosh! Do yeah. people ever come to you and and a pet needs a home, and you're like, should I adopt? Sometimes, but typically we try to we try to be almost like the tender veterinary medicine. We try to match make. We like, all right, well, we're gonna swipe you to the left. I know somebody who need this. So, so that's kind of what we're. Oh, amazing. Um, okay, Jamie Pickles wants to know how often are you called on to answer 
human medical questions. <laughs> like, you're a doctor, can you look at my rash? Every time I go to the grocery store. Yeah, how annoyed are you by this? They want to know. It definitely happens. <laughs> yeah. My, or, you know, I got ringworm and um, I be like, ma'am, that's, can you look under, don't worry about this. You can see, I said, ma'am, that's a little too much skin. I don't want to see that. Yeah, yeah. Is this a ringworm? Can you get closer? But yeah, often we do. Um, you know, sometimes I, I can, I try to steer people in the right direction, you know, because sometimes they're scared. I mean, they're like, look, this is what's going on. Or the more common question that I'll never forget in parasitology class. And I'm glad we, we were taught that is uh lice oh but everybody has their own lice okay so humans have theirs cats have theirs, dogs have theirs. so everybody got this so typically when people like you know we'll get the physicians or someone come and say my dog gave me this lice We're like yeah. nah yeah. you didn't get that from the dog <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but they can get um speaking of parasites uh mange which is a um ex- external yeah. parasite and you know, the funny thing, we talk about scabies. Yeah. So the dog comes in and has no hair and scabies. And you look and you say, have you been itching? Mm. And the funny thing, one lady, you know, she grabs her shirt and she snatches it up. <laughs> yeah, is that what? I'm like, oh, no. is that what these red spots are? I'm like, ma'am, please. Oh, yeah. no. I'm like, I don't, you know. <laughs> You're like, you're not getting I a just, tumor. Uh, exactly. I just, I just ask a question, you know, do you have? I don't need to see them. If you do, you need to go see your doctor. So, yeah, the answer to that, yes. Every time we go to the grocery store. Also, I was like, you can get scabies from a pet? Okay, so human scabies and cat and dog scabies, they're all different species. But you can get some bites if an animal is heavily infested. But it's treatable in humans, just not by your vet. Oh my gosh. Uh, some other people asked about horses. And someone wanted to know when a horse has a fracture, uh-huh. yes. what can be done about it? And not not a lot at this time, Typically right? not. Yeah, it's just yeah, typically, yeah. unfortunately, because of that weight and just yeah. the way they're built, unfortunately, typically, that is at that leads to a veterinary medicine uh, decision that we never like to make, which is unfortunately euthanasia most times. There's a lot of weight on that. Yeah. It's almost like they're on one right. finger. So it's a lot of weight and it, it, it won't heal properly. Okay, side note. I looked into this and there's a woman named Dr. Julia Montgomery in Saskatchewan working on research involving horse harnesses that could save their lives by lifting them up and letting their fractures heal without all that weight. So, hmm? Hippology episode? Anyone? Horses? Yes? Jen Lee wants to know, first time question asker, is it really okay for people to take fish or other anti antibiotics? Have you ever known someone who did this? To take fish, fish antibiotics. Yeah, we don't recommend that people yeah. take any antibiotics that are are uh, prescribed to their animals. Right. Yeah. I've I've known people who don't have insurance who right. like get tetracycline right. for aquariums. And, right. Yeah. 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 Don't recommend. Not a good. Definitely don't recommend that. This next nephrological question was shared by Joni Waldrop, Morgan Alexander Coburn, and Samantha J. Gunther. A few people asked about um, preventing kidney disease in kitties right. and uh, is adding water to their food a good idea or what else can they pe- can people well, do? A low protein. Have, yeah. You want to have water available all the yes. time. but Okay. Um, Lower protein foods definitely help yeah. uh, because proteins have to be broken down and a lot of times that, that puts more on the kidneys. So... Yeah, so that's one of the things. That's why they have these special diets with less less protein and ash. So, you know, diet is is one big thing that we do see, and and I definitely see the angle that uh, we're coming from because we see a lot of kidney disease and uh and in animals. And going back to technology, they have a new test with SDMHA. I know you want to know what SMDA means, and I looked it up, and it's symmetric dimethyl 
Symmetric dimethyl arginine, SMDA, but it's not to be confused with an SMDH test, which is the threshold at which something makes you shake your damn head. Mm-hmm. Which tells us before they even develop it now. Right. It's really, it's really, uh, what you say, that test maybe come along about two years ago? At the most. Which is just amazing. It's amazing technology where before we looked at creatinine and blood urea nitrogen, which tell us this animal is in kidney failure. But now, a totally healthy kidney, we can find out those things by just something called the SDMH test. It's pretty cheap. And it, you know, we recommend doing those as an early preventative, maybe Mm -hmm. at least after what, six? Yeah, five, and then six five, six, seven, and we'll know it before, and we can start making some some different medical type changes to prevent it. So that that will be the one thing. Uh, try to do some preventative tests. Uh, that more than anything can can let us know if there's a precursor to kidney disease. Oh, that's good yeah, to know. Because a lot of times these things can be hereditary. Mm-hmm. So testing them yearly, or even when they get older, every six months, to catch these things before they start causing failure. We definitely have a better chance, and they're pretty inexpensive. I mean, we're talking probably less than what eighty bucks. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not a not a terribly expensive test. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Um, Lauren Mascabroda asked about mental illness or behavioral disorders in pets. Yeah. Um, they have a cat with anxiety, another with behaviors that the research compares closest with OCD. Um, how about animals that you put on Prozac, or how does that does that help? How does it work? They they have we have several behavior drugs. The the thing about it is. Most don't work or don't work well without having training with it. Okay. So basically, a lot of them put the animals in the frame of mind to learn. Then they have to be trained from there. A lot of dogs have separation anxiety. The owners leave. They just tear the house up. Mm-hmm. They have to be put on medication. But there are certain training things we have to do along with it. They have to do it at home. It's not like you're going to get a medication. Everything's going to go away. It's going to be fine. You have to do other things along with it. Such as Dr. Hodges explains. Okay. Yeah. And some simple things you can do is, uh, let's say you're going to sit home and watch television. Mm-hmm. Grab your keys, shake them. And if you uh, if you have a pocketbook, grab your pocketbook and sit on the sofa. Because this dog is getting wound up. It's watching you. It, it, it's getting accused. It knows like, okay, this guy's about to leave or this lady's about to leave. So find those cues that kind of you usually do. But just sit home. Sit home that night. So let's say you come home. One thing we recommend is if the dog is really torn, really going to ignore the dog. You ignore it initially coming in. Let's say you get home, you kind of wind down, grab your keys, grab your pocketbook, shake them, and just sit down and watch TV or sit down with the dog. And the dog won't pick up on those cues. Some, those are some of the training things you can do that are really simple. Okay. Oh, that's good to know. Um, and a few people, including Lacey Elaine and Jennifer Lemon, Kim Boniker, Katie Viles, Anna Elizabeth, Emily Jean, Demi Espinosa, Jessica Drew, and Justin Dar, who wanted to know about grain-free versus grain-inclusive diets. Everyone seems to have an opinion. <laughs> Nobody knows what to eat. How do you feel about it? Ooh, do we need to go down this road? Ooh, boy. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I'm asked this every day. Okay, okay. So, I'll tell you, I don't know the answer. But it, this, this is the thought, though. Because I've talked to, actually, the drug reps and... You know, there was a test and, and there was a, a trial and they were found that a, that a small sample did develop cardiovascular disease. Right, on grain-free. On grain-free, right? I, I read that study. Right. So, there was a study. So, I mean, this was, there's been millions and millions of dogs that have eaten this and this was a small sample. Now, I'm, I don't know. I tell them, but this is what I say. All my life, they've told me to drink a glass of wine every day. 
to live forever. Man, a couple years ago, they say, look, you drink a glass of wine, you're going to die. So I don't know the answer. I'll be honest. So, I mean, it's just tests. If there are more tests, I'll be honest. I, I just don't it's know because, because it's just not enough yeah. tests. It's that one study. So I don't know whether to drink wine or not. So I guess if yeah. I've been told because all my There are even yeah. studies that even the <laughs> regular food doesn't carry. It's not a lot of grain in it. Right. So it's not a, enough to even make a difference. But we don't know. There are millions of dog foods. Right. Um, one thing I can say is a lot of times when different fads come out, uh, we have fads for, I don't necessarily, maybe they're not fads, but things that are for humans. Mm -hmm. We transition those things right over to the animal world and we fashion them to make them look pretty and we right. label things that are attractive to us. They may not necessarily be good for your animal, mm -hmm. may not make a difference, but because they're attracted to us, it's right. marketing. Uh, we grab it because they, they said it was good for us, it should be good for my animal. Right. That's not always the case. You know, a lot of the jury is still out on a lot of right. these things. So that I, I don't know. I had, I mean, I'm, you know, just like everybody else, we we're bombarded with questions with our clients who see stuff on social media. And I, I I've researched, and there is that one study, but I mean, it's not a huge, huge study. So I, I'll be honest, I don't know. I read that that study was funded by Purina. All right, so that's exact. So you so you were kind of all over the place with it, right? right. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Okay, side note, in case you're unfamiliar with this study titled Diet-Associated Dilated Cardiomyopathy in Dogs, what do we know? It was published in the Journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association in late 2018, and it relates grain-free diets high in legumes like peas and lentils with some statistics on reported heart problems in certain breeds like golden retrievers. Now, a lot of vets are not super convinced by this. All seem to say way more research is needed. And if you do scroll down to the bottom of this study, under the acknowledgement section, you'll see that its lead author has received research support by Purina, which makes a lot of grain-inclusive foods. Interesting. Now, speaking of research, what do two vets think about using CBD or cannabinoid oil for our furry and scaly and feathered friends? Melanie Baker, Amelia Hines, Michelle Krebs, and Teresa Bossanova all want to know. What about uh, Melanie Baker wants to know, is there enough data or research yet on CBD usage for pets to draw any uh, conclusions about efficacy for pain or inflammation or fear, anxiety? So uh, that's something that just started. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's another thing. Um, it's probably pretty similar to the grain. You know, there are pros and there are no cons. The con is, is does it work? Um, but but we're seeing more and more products that are being labeled. Right. And, you know, it depends on what state there are certain, right. certain states as far as veterinary is concerned is we can use it or we can't use it. Yeah. So it's not something that's widely used yet, but I, it's definitely probably going to be. Okay. Yes. I, I mean, just impersonally, I don't, I don't know. You know, again, that's some, but I have seen some cases that it's, it seems that people who kind of use it in conjunction with the seizure medicine, mm -hmm. that the seizures do go down somewhat. I have kind of, you know, I've seen some cases that I think, you know, I mean, I, I don't have scientific proof, but it seems I've seen some cases that possibly the, that it may help, you know, some epileptic type states, yeah. possibly, yes. And then let's say I'm at, this is a question I'm yes. asking for a friend, a yes. friend being my dog. So who else asked about weight management? Absolutely no one. Just me. I was literally the only person with this question. Okay, well, then this is for all the people who are maybe ashamed to ask how you deal with a chunk and when to intervene if your once emaciated rescue orphan becomes an absolute unit. She's like 12 pounds. Maybe okay. she's gotten to be about 13 and mm -hmm. pounds. Okay. How long? 
much should I be walking a little dog a day? All right. When you say thirteen pounds, is that what a breed is, she? is that right? Is that a Georgia thirteen pounds? Well, you got a little bit. You know, you've been eating some some collard greens and a little bit. Of- definitely, I got her in July. She was a rescue. And she was emaciated. Okay. And she's seven, and she uh, she just you could feel every bone. And now. She's, She's definitely lived. not. Okay. And I, can, I can tell you one thing that an old veterinarian told me a long time ago mm-hmm. is you can kill them with kindness. Yeah. A lot of mm-hmm. issues come from being obese and overweight. So just because you're telling me that you think it is, it is. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because Typically that's, yeah, how that, that's how it works. So, but you want to be careful because of uh, joint issues, you know, being too heavy, not being mobile when we get older. Um, diabetes, diabetes, right, is another big thing. So, what you may want to do is maybe find a diet that's lower, lower caloric, caloric. Diet, yeah, or or maybe even weight reduction. Well, this, no, no, this is the number one question I ask. The food probably is fine. Mm-hmm. What kind treats. of treats are you getting? Oh, um, greenies. Should How many? Maybe like three a week. Okay. Not okay. a lot. Not a lot. Okay. Well, but okay. I think I need to. I, so this is what maybe we'll, we'll try. We both need to go walk. We're going to use green, but we're going to say green beans. Okay. Let's, oh. Yes. Green beans is a good treat. Yeah. Let's try green beans. Okay. Okay. That's so smart. Yeah. yeah. Let's try green. Are you supposed to be able to feel a dog or cat's yeah. ribs? Yeah. You, you don't should. want to see them. Okay. But you want to, when you, if, if I'm standing behind the dog or cat and I'm reaching on both sides, mm-hmm. I want to feel them without having to press too hard. Okay. I should be able to feel them by rubbing. If I have to press a little bit, then we got a little bit too much fat there. Okay. But I don't want to see them because we're too thin. Right. So that's a good way to judge where we are as far as scoring them, yes. body condition. So guess who got a treat of a green bean today and didn't hate it? That's right. My chunky little love muffin. My small monkey, my little smunk. Okay, also, in nephology, I said I had a pet raccoon, and I was referring to Grammy, who was a dog, and very much not a raccoon, despite looking like a raccoon and her pre-adoption life of being a dumpster goblin on the streets, which is hard to even think about. I can't even think about it. Speaking of difficult things. Um, and the last questions I always ask. Yes. I always ask the hardest thing about your job. Okay. First, the worst thing about your job, either the most annoying thing, is it paperwork? Is it, uh, is it having to s- stick hands anywhere weird? What's the hardest thing about being a vet? For me, it, it's pretty easy. I mean, it's mm-hmm. cut and dry. It's probably the same answer, but so being in practice now 20 years, mm-hmm. we've had the, we, we're having to have the luxury now of seeing a full life cycle of a dog. Mm-hmm. So we see a puppy that we've had, we've got it at six weeks old, and we've watched it become 14, 15, 16, 17. And sometimes, you know, we've been with this dog, we've been with these people, we've watched the kids grow up, you know, some cases, and we have to unfortunately relieve their suffering. So, you know, it's many cases now where we've watched them grow up, and they'll say, well, doc, can we wait? A few hours because the kid is in college and they want to come be with us so you have this kid come back who you've watched grow up with his pet the pet and the family and it's just heartbreaking yeah. that's the hardest part for me yeah definitely euthanasia is it, tough um just being on an emotional roller coaster sometimes he mentioned right. earlier you know you may have that client in room four that you know you're in and you're consoling them, and you've seen this patient since they were born, basically. Um, you've seen the family and the kids grow up, and you have to go next door 
and there's a client in here that has a six-week-old puppy or kitten that's just starting this thing off. So you're emotionally going from one state to another state, and sometimes this goes on and on. So emotionally, sometimes it can take a toll. So that's probably the toughest part of the job, is just being able to regroup, go in another room, start over. And that human-animal bond, like we're talking about. But, I mean, it's a human-veterinary bond, too, because we watch these dogs. I mean, we right. watch them. We know them. We know the people. We know. And, and being in rural Georgia, these are, again, I talked about the grocery store. These are the same people who see you in the grocery store and say, hey, doc, uh, Penelope is doing really good. And you're like, okay. Or, hey, doc, I got to come see you because Penelope is not really doing good, and I'm afraid we're going to have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And you dread that. Yes. You really do. How do you guys make sure that you – and vets in general take care of your own mental health because I know that that's something that and that is very that is that is something that uh the profession is really looking at because unfortunately we have had you know a, a suicide Doctor Ferguson we went to your classmates who own the practice he uh, unfortunately committed suicide About six eight months ago, six, eight months ago. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it is a mental roller coaster I, just just get with your peers I mean yeah. we have to talk about it and talk it through because sometimes you know. It's tough. I mean, yeah, you yeah. you feel down, and you you can you can fix a hundred animals, but if you lose that one, that's the one you think about. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't understand. That's the one that eats at you. Right. That's the one that when you go home and sit at your table, you're like, "Oh, could I have done something different?" Mm-hmm. That is that is you know, and and it's hard because we we're we're used to success, and and we want it to be a hundred percent, but it never is, and that eats at you. Yeah, a lot. And there's definitely something, you know, in our profession now, it's called compassion fatigue, mm. um, which is a new term that yeah. they use. And, and and that's exactly what it is. It's just fatigue from compassion. You know, you just love it. We're in the profession for a reason. Mm-hmm. We didn't get in here because we didn't like animals. We're here because we love them. And, you know, we have to make those tough decisions sometimes or sometimes they come in and they don't make it. And like you said, we want everyone to make it, you know, yeah. and you start questioning yourself right um could i have done something better and and you know that that's nothing could, you could have done better but another thing about veterinarians we're all we're all want everything to be 100 percent right that, that's yeah. kind of who we are yeah right. as, as a, that's who we are right. so if it doesn't go like we want to go we really stress ourselves put a lot of pressure on ourselves and that and then we have to go from there to the room that now we're starting over with a new puppy yeah. and then you have to go home and you take it home you know right. um so it it is something that mental health is a big thing in veterinary medicine, and we're we're learning how to deal with it and yeah. cope with it. And you know, once you have a classmate or someone you know that has it has happened to, you know it's real. Then it's becoming more and more. I mean, you know, and and again, not knocking physicians. I mean, some of my best friends are physicians, but if a person goes to a physician and they have a lump, and their physician thinks it's cancer. They'll refer it, and you go see somebody in two weeks, right? You waiting to get in, maybe four weeks. A dog comes in with a lump. I got to think, okay, is this cancer? I got to figure it out. I may have to biopsy. I might even have to surgically take it off all within three hours. You know, you got to figure it out. You got to take it off. You got to look at a histopathology under a microscope and make this decision. Whereas even on in humans, if they come in, you know, we give our physician, okay, well, he thinks it's lump. I got to wait to get into uh, oncologist. I mean, you have to be an oncologist. Yeah. You, know? you have to be these things. And, and that that 
can mentally put you in some tough places. But you're wearing every hat, every hat. for every animal, for every animal right. in every species. Right. Exactly. You got a camel over here, yeah. and you're his oncologist, right. and yeah. you got a spider over here, <laughs> and you're it's a, it's a <laughs> nutritionist. Right. Yeah. So it, it is it is it is a tough thing. There's a lot of ologies when I it's, went to go yeah. when I went to title this episode. Yeah. I, I was like, is it veterinary technology? And but a, a veterinary technologist yeah. is a completely different. Yeah, it's totally different. more or less a uh, veterinary assistant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a nurse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and they also help you run everything. Oh, correct. Right? Yes. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we'll big give claps to them too because I know yes, we're sure. no doubt, no couldn't doubt. do it without them. We could we not do it. Do couldn't it do it without them. Without it. Yes. Yeah. I was yeah. initially trained as a veterinary um, technician. Oh yeah. That's how I got started. So. Oh wow. So I definitely have appreciation for that. Mm-hmm. For yes. the technicians and the nurses. And what about the best thing about being a vet? What is something that just gives you butterflies still gets you out of bed? Play with the babies every day. Every day. And it's different. Like when I'm driving to work, I can be a dermatologist, a cardiologist, a oncologist, a surgeon, a pediatrician, a who delivers the baby? Yeah, obstetrician. I may yeah. do a C section. Yeah, all before lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's the best. Thing. Yeah, and I always say, you know, the veterinarian has a special job because we can make everyone in the house happy. Mm-hmm. Because if you bring me your animal, or your dog or cat, and it's not doing well, and I help you make it well, not only does that dog feel better, you feel better. Right. So we can make the whole house happy. There you go. You excited to go from being vets and being vets to TV stars also? Well, we, we are. And, and we get that question all the time. So I don't know if we'll be TV stars. I don't know how this will go. But I can promise you one thing. We'll always be Southern gentlemen. I promise you that. That'll never change. <laughs> and friends. Yes, and yes. friends. That's right. So work hard at what you love and get by with a little help from your friends. Also, ask smart people stupid questions because the questions are not stupid. And look, they love answering them. Also, watch Dr. Ferguson and Dr. Hodges on Critter Fixers on Nat Geo Wild. They are amazing and so is the show. Also, stay safe, isolate, 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 wash your hands, and listen to the virology episode from last week if you need to understand why it's important to stay inside and skip the discos for a while. Trust me, you're saving lives by introverting. More episodes are up at AllieWard.com. You can follow us at Ologies on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at AllieWard with one L on both. And thank you, Aaron Talbert, for adminning the Ologies podcast Facebook group. Thanks, Shannon Feltis and Bonnie Dutch of the comedy podcast You Are That for managing all the merch at OlogiesMerch.com. Thank you, Emily White and all the Ologies podcast transcribers for getting transcripts made, especially so fast. They're on my website on the Ologies Extra page. And thank you, Jarrett Sleeper, for the assistant editing. He makes the mental health podcast, My Good Bad Brain, and he does weekly Sunday morning live streaming with the traumatologist episode guest, Dr. Nick Barr, which is so good. And of course, to the rescue every week is Stephen Ray Morris, a cat daddy and host of the Purrcast and the dino-themed See Jurassic Right. Nick Thorburn of the band Islands wrote and performed the theme music and happy birthday to my wonderful sister Janelle this week. Uh, if you stick around until the end of the episode, you know I tell you a secret. This week's secret is I know that we're all isolating. I have been sleeping like 12 hours a day. And I think that's just some major catch up. I don't know. I'm starting to worry. But I have gotten so little done despite having all of this extra time from canceled events. And if you're feeling the same way, please do not beat yourself up. So if you're feeling a little bit less productive than you hoped you would be, don't worry. You're in good company. I'm right there with you. And that being said, let's try to do things that will cheer us up a little, like little spoons or watch movies or pet your pets. 
or maybe adopt one. Perhaps now is the time. Okay, stay safe. Love y'all. Bye-bye. Pachydermatology, homeology, cryptozoology, lithology, nanotechnology, meteorology, Want some cookies? Chips Ahoy. Look, Chips Ahoy, your favorite. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Point, Chicago, Illinois.